The uncommon man is the one who continues to learn, continues to sharpen the sword, and is always hungry to learn more, to be more, to, to even give more. I think the point is that all of us can improve and all of us can get better and all of us can strive and be aspirational towards something greater than we currently are. I believe every limit that we all have are set by ourselves. And the limits that we set ourselves have the deepest roots and they're the toughest ones to overcome. I'm gonna look at other areas in my life like as a father, who I need to show up as a father. Some of the things you've been doing with your sons, I know I could do them better than I have been doing them. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, and we're doing something a little different today. We've got a panel today, and a panel of a group of very illustrious men. Ryan Mickler is the founder of the Order of Man movement and the host of the Order of Man podcast, which has been around since, I believe, 2015. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan has had tens of millions of downloads, and he has interviewed close to a thousand people on his show. And he's one of the smartest and wisest folks uh, in the space of issues pertaining to men. Larry Hagner is the founder of the Dad Edge Movement and the Dad Edge Podcast. He too has been doing his podcast for years and years and years and has had some illustrious folks on it. Um, and he's a phenomenal man with a lot to say that's important to fathers. And Ernest Emerson is the uh, inventor of the tactical folding knife for the United States Navy SEALs. He is the founder of Emerson Knives, and he's a man with a deep interest in issues pertaining to men. Men, welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank yeah, you. Glad to be here. Thank you. So, men, the theme today is in search of the uncommon man. And it's based on a talk that Ernest did a few years back at Blade Show. And I know that all of you men uh, strive to be that uncommon man and strive to have the men that you have influence over be that uncommon man. So I'd like to throw it out there and maybe ask Ryan to, to kick us off. When I say we want to talk about the search for the uncommon man. What does that bring up for you? And what are the things you think are important to say about that? And maybe we go with Ryan, Larry, and then Ernest. Yeah, I mean, look, the first thing I hear is, who am I to be talking about that? I feel like I'm a pretty common guy myself, quite honestly. Um, and, and I think that's that's the point, though. I think the point is that all of us can improve and all of us can get better and all of us can strive and be aspirational towards something greater than we currently are. Uh, every man I've ever talked to, whether it's guys like Jocko Willink or David Goggins or you know Tim Tebow, some of the guys I've had on the podcast, they actually feel somewhat the same way, that they're on the path. They may be a little bit further down the path than other people in certain areas, but all of us have advantages. All of us have weaknesses. And I think the uncommon man is probably not the guy who has everything figured out, but he's the guy who's willing to work hard towards his deficiencies. He's the guy who's willing to acknowledge where he's weak. 
Uh, he's the man who recognizes that he's the creator of his environment, whether it's positive or negative, and decides to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and improve his life and shore up his shortcomings and and get better in every way. So, yeah, I'm not talking about um, myself necessarily as an uncommon man as much as I have a desire to be one and trying to improve in all areas of my life. And that's what it's been over the past eight years in running this organization. Amen, brother. Well said. Well said. Larry, what about you? What are your thoughts on that? So I, I agree with Ryan as far as, uh, you know, I, I think of myself as, as the same. It's like, who am I to do this work? Little known secret. So Ryan and I actually started our podcast the exact same month, April of 2015. We wow. met in a Facebook group and been friends ever since. And and we've shared a lot of the similar guests and I share a lot of similar views as he does is there's a common theme. You know, Ryan mentioned Jocko and, and David Goggins and all these people that, you know, we, we've interviewed over the past few, several years. And what I can tell you is the uncommon man is also the unfinished man. He also, he never views himself as the, I've, I have reached it. I, I am here. I'm at the top. The uncommon man is the one who continues to learn, continues to sharpen the sword and is always hungry to learn more, to be more, to, to even give more, Right. And I think that that's an incredible thing to, to be is that uncommon man. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. And it doesn't mean that people should necessarily, you know, view this person as like the epitome of perfection or, you know, but, but we are striving We're we're reaching for that next rung in the ladder. I was at a Bible study this morning. I, I attend one every single Thursday and the one, one of the guys who leads it had this PowerPoint up and he never does a PowerPoint, but today he did. And he showed, you know, men, right. And where we're at. And he had a football stadium. He's like, you're going to have men in the stands, right? These are the men who I would say view life, don't necessarily do life, but they're kind of like life is managing me and kind of a victim of my circumstances. And, you know, I'm just sort of watching life go by and, and a lot of things, you know, are, are tough. Some things are easy, but I'm watching it. And then there's the sidelines, right? These are the ones who are closer to the field they're interacting with the field a little bit. They're a player. They're not necessarily on the field, but they're convinced that they have a part to play in this and they're willing to contribute and they're willing to show up and they're willing to do work. And then you have the people on the field, right? And the guys like, like Ryan talked about, you know, the, the guys who are doing the work, the guys who are like, you know what? I'm a lifelong learner. I am going to get my hands dirty as much as I possibly can learn as much as I possibly can do as much as I possibly can and leave nothing on the table. And I think that's the difference between the common man. And I, I hope that analogy or that comparison really, really helped, you know, the people in the stands, the people on the sidelines and then the people in the field. But I think that's what separates us. Yeah, no, I like that. That's really good. So Ernest, what about you, my friend? Well, it's, it's tough following these two guys because they've, they've pretty much put everything that I believe in uh, already out there on the page. And uh, I agree a hundred percent with everything that they've said. I, I, also truly believe that uh, when when I gave that lecture, the quest for the uncommon man, what I, my goal was to just lead people into uh, taking stock of themselves and knowing that there's so much more that all of us can do. Every single person, like both of you guys have just said, uh, is never a finished work. It's always a work in progress. Sure. But so many people, so many take the easy way out and they just let life happen to them. And I don't think uh, that a lot of people understand that you really are at the helm of your own ship 
all the time. And again, you mentioned Jocko. He's been a great inspiration for me. And of course, David also, uh, that you have to get out there and go after it. And once you understand that you are really 100% responsible for everything that happens in your life, then you can start to direct the things in your life that are going to make a difference. Now, when you talk about faith and Bible study and everything, uh, I always look at all of that and go, that's the course, the moral compass that we all need. And the uncommon man has to have all of those things in place, personal responsibility and all of the other things that we're going to talk about today. But they have to have a moral compass, which is in today's society, unfortunately, a, a rare thing than it was 20 or 30 or 10 years ago, because as religion has become more of a uh, you don't need that. You can be uh, an intellectual and be a good person and all that. Well, intellectual uh, capacity doesn't necessarily carry along moral uh, responsibility with it. So again, uh, my idea of what the uncommon man is, it's someone who can actually look in the mirror and say, you know what, you're not perfect. You'll never will be, but by God, you got to get out there and work to get to that to that goal. Because if we don't have that goal, we are, again, like you were saying, the people on the sidelines just watching the game happen. And we have no control in that, but we actually do. We have a hundred percent control. Uh, just a matter of realizing it. Yeah. Nikki, can I say one, one thing real sure. quick on please, that? Please. So Ernest, I, I agree with everything you said. The one thing I, I wanted to bring up and I'd be curious about your take on this is you said it's less common that it used to be to have these guys I'm actually questioning that a little bit in my own life. I used to say that, but I think there are just based on on my own work and Larry and all of us have have work in this space, see so many guys who do want to improve and they do want to be on the path. I think what's less common is our ability to get together as men, <clears throat> whether that's through religious institutions like you talked about uh, or the Navy SEALs or sports or military or even just fraternal organizations, much like Larry, I know you have, and I have, and 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 Nikki, you guys too. Uh, it's that we're not banding together, and so instead of seeing each other as these uncommon men who have a desire to improve, we're just operating in these vacuums, these spaces, alone and empty, and think that man, I'm the only person that wants this, and it's just not the case. Like I, there's so many men who are actually looking to be plugged into organizations and fraternities and companies that that where they can work together like we used to as as tribes and packs and gangs this is how men work but somewhere along the way in the ease of modernity we let go of that and uh and and we see that we see our social institutions crumbling around us and that i think part of that is is a design guide but we really need to find other good men like we're doing here to be around so that we can rely on each other but also i can see what larry's doing and you know a little bit of friendly competition. I want to. I want to do what Larry's doing. I'm sure he feels the same way. I'm sure you guys feel very much the same way. It's healthy. Uh, it, it's competitive. It's masculine, but it also drives all of us to succeed at different levels. You know what? It's funny you bring that up because I fall into believing the, what the press is is trying to push on me that we are <laughs> uncommon. And again, because my wife and I have that conversation all the time. There's more of us than we can than we realize, but the, whatever the powers that be are working hard to separate us, to keep us isolated. 
and to uh, try and convince us that, yeah, we're that we are the uncommon ones. And I, I, I agree 100 percent. You know what? You nailed it. There are way, way, way more of us than we're led to believe by what we see on in, in social media and, and all over. So, yeah, you, I'm falling in prey to the to, I'm a victim of, of what they're trying <laughs> to convince me of. It's a fight. I do it too. I mean, I, I, I work alone and it's like, you know, there's other good guys in my area, but I have to, I have to actually actively go out and do it. And that's, that's the trap It's like, you have to take initiative Larry, when you go to church on Thursday, your church group, your Bible study, like you, you have to actually go out and do that. Like you, you can't just sit back and hope people invite you and maybe there'll be something cool come along. Like you have to take an active role in making sure that you're finding other good and righteous men in this case to, to bandwidth so you guys can all grow. I want to, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I want, I want to comment on this as well, because I think it's, it's a super strong point because we're talking to what society, the perception of what society is right now. So I was just talking about this on a podcast just the other day. I'm not exactly sure. And I was one of them. What happens to us as men when we get married and start having kids? Cause we disappear and fall off the face of the earth and we stop interacting with other men. Like as soon as I started having kids or my friends around me started having kids, the circle, like suddenly we all stopped hanging out. We all stopped talking. And then it would be like, when was the last time we even talked, man, it's been a year. Holy crap. I can't believe it's been a year. Something happens to us where we go very inward. And I think in a way, the intention of a man is somewhat noble. And what I mean by that is, so when a man starts getting married, having kids, he, he has to spend life in two places at all times, work or family. And there's no in between. Like a lot of guys have this perception of like, well, I shouldn't spend time, money, resources of any kind on myself because that's selfish. Or I shouldn't you know, take time away from my family to go learn some of these things or be around other like-minded men. It just isn't what I should do. There's also this perception of, well, if I do that and I say that out loud that I don't have this all together and maybe I want to learn a few new things, well, maybe I'm weak or maybe I just don't have it all together. And this is where I think our ego it becomes really, really dangerous because that's a very isolated way to live because guaranteed, guaranteed, I have yet to find a guy you know, that I interact with locally that was like, yeah, I want to do life all by myself at all times. Like the guy who's the, the other dad, the other man who sits next to you shoulder to shoulder at your kid's football game is also wanting those things too. It's just the thing that we're not saying out loud. But as soon as we step into that fraternity, like Ryan's talking about, like I'm talking about, you know, Ryan's got the iron council. I've got, I've got the Alliance. It's, it's, it could be in your church with Bible study. It could be a softball league with, with, with other like-minded men. And the, 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 the true words there are other like-minded men with similar visions, right? And some similar goals. And most of us never step into that kind of realm. But once we do, it's like, oh my gosh, man, like this is what, what I've been missing my whole life. Like being around this where I can elevate other people and they can elevate me. That's what I think really makes us uncommon. But we have to get past this perception of, as Ryan said, living in a vacuum, living in a bubble all by ourselves. But in this day and age, brother, um, it's not just men when they get married that don't have relationships with other men. It, it's younger men don't have relationships sure. with other men. I mean, there's um, a study that was done in the early 2000s 
that said the average man had just three close friends. By the early 2010s, it was down to one close friend. Today, that same study says the average man doesn't have a close friend. Think about that. Think about that. Doesn't have a close friend. Somebody he can call at 3 a.m. if he's stuck in a Mexican jail to come and bail him out. That's nuts. And young men, they don't even understand the concept of fraternal bonds because the culture isn't encouraging that on them the way it did on us. My son, I have two sons, a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. My son, Kayvon, he plays on a soccer team. He's a, he's a captain of his team. And I've organized uh, a, a couple of fire nights. We had one about a month ago. We got another one tomorrow night, actually, the night after tomorrow, actually. And they were blown away by what it was like to hang out with each other and have real conversations beyond the soccer field. And the, the, uh, the two of the other fathers joined me to help manage the, the boys and run the group. They were blown away by just being around other fathers and sons only, no feminine energy, just pure masculine energy. And what that created, there was like a fire in everybody. They were pumped up. They wanted to be around it. But the world is telling us, hey, uh, you know, patriarchy's bad, tox- uh, masculinity is toxic, and those types of messages need to be counteracted. One of the reasons why I'm excited that, you know, Larry, you and Ryan have such a big following among men is because there's men that are getting a good, positive look at what masculinity is like. And one of my concerns in the world is that there are men right now, without naming any names, who have massive levels of influence over young men in particular, who are giving them really crappy messages. You know, so for me, it's important to amplify this sort of message because this is the kind of message that's going to uplift the next generation. I think you should, I think you should name names because this is, Andrew this Tate. is the battle, right? Andrew Tate. Right. And, Fresh and, and I know fit. everybody knows who you're talking about it. Fresh so let's talk fit. about it, yeah. you know? It's it, like we, if we're going to uh, if we're going to defeat this and we're going to talk about this openly, then we need to uh, bring to light the things that we disagree with. And I, I personally disagree with this, uh, uh, the, the type of behavior, the degeneracy that we see um, uh, taking advantage of women, um, you know, not, not worrying about serving other people, just serving ourselves. This is not how we harness masculinity for righteous outcomes in society. And this is the plight. This is the problem is the guys who have quite a lot of appeal are, are, are talking to young men who are impressionable, who want to be part of something, who want, who know they're masculine. They want to tap into it and say, so they see this guy, he's a sharp looking guy. He's, he's smooth talking. He's successful. He's good with women. He's got, got the cars. Is that really the behavior that we want to model? No, it isn't. No. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be able to communicate effectively, or we shouldn't worry about how we dress, or we shouldn't worry about being successful financially, but I'm saying there's something deeper And as soon as we can get back to the roots of masculinity, which is service to others, protecting people, providing for them, leading, the better off we're all going to be. And so we can't do that by tap dancing around, oh, you know, certain people. No, this is the person. This is the guy with the influence. And this is a problem. And then in the meantime, we need to work to be more influential in the lives of these young men who need our help. Amen. Same with Fresh and Fit, those guys out of Miami. I think what they're saying is total trash. The way they treat women is total trash. And guys like Rolo Tomasi, you know, like you said, there's things they say that are good, but there's a lot of things they say that are absolute garbage. They're very me focused, very, 
me-centric. It's not about being a better man to uplift everybody around you. It's just about having what you want. It's the energy of an adolescent, to be honest with you, not the energy of a man. Well, what's interesting is these these people you're talking about, the message is not entirely incorrect. The motive is. So get wealthy, get fit, get strong, become independent, be sovereign, Nikki, right? These, these, this message is, is accurate. We should do all of those things. For what? What is the outcome? To serve ourselves or to serve other people? Well, surely it's to serve other people. It's not all those things at the expense of others. And what I think each and every one of us here on this call talk about is how we can harness masculinity for productive outcomes, which is what I would call manliness. And I, and I make that distinction. You know, we have, we have masculinity and we have manliness. Masculinity, people will say it's toxic. Some people will say it's, it's good. It's act, in my mind, it's neither. It's amoral. Because if you actually look at what masculinity is, it's a set of characteristics and behaviors that we generally attribute to men based on biological makeups. Now, sure, there's certain people that fall outside of those markers, but that's what we would consider masculine. That's neither good nor bad. If I'm walking down the road and I see uh, a vulnerable woman, a woman, and I decide to take my aggression or my dominance or my physical uh, advantage out against that woman, those are all masculine virtues, but none of us would say that's righteous. If on the other hand, I see somebody doing that to a woman and I decide to go put a bullet in that guy's head and protect that woman, same energy, but a righteous use of the energy, which makes me manly. And that's the distinction that I choose to make. It's a good distinction. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think you're nailing it again, because uh, one of the things that uh, I've always felt, <laughs> felt more comfortable with is when I'm in the company of strong, strong-willed men, other men that I can disagree with and we can, you know, get mad at each other and in the end still share a beer and know that no matter what happens inside our circle, even if we have some some tension or disagreement, if someone comes through that door, we're all charging it. And I think that uh, part of what you're saying, Ryan, is, is also a victim of, and again, I don't know how political you want to go with this, but I think one of the greatest threats that we've suffered as a, as a as men and as a society is the rise of feminism and that that political movement of feminism uh, in society. Because I'll tell you what, I don't believe any feminist has. Well, I can't say any, but I would say the majority of all feminists do not have the better interest of women or feminine, uh, you know, of girls. Uh, as their best interest. I think it's something completely different. I think it's anti-man more than it is pro-woman. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of the things that we're talking about when you say, yeah, it's an, it's an, it's a uh, situation that isn't a, a good or bad, it's just who we are. And now we, we're suffering under this, uh, I guess, pressure to not be who we are. And, you know, I, I'm totally okay with women women being 100% feminine and and needing me to protect them or to do things for them or to be courteous and to treat them in a special way and for them to also recognize it as a man hey if something has to be done moved picked up built fought whatever i'm totally okay with that and i think that again we're we're 
we're in a kind of a hinge point where, dang, man, I don't want that to go away. And I'll, I'll do everything in my power to keep keep preaching the word for men, men to be okay with being men. Well, and femininity also undermines women. For example, that that idea that a woman has to, for example, go out into the workforce and act like a man and she can do everything a man can can do. What we know unequivocally that is not true. But what it does is it undermines the value that women inherently bring to the table, which is nurturing, support, love, empathy, kindness, compassion. What those are those are beautiful traits, beauty in the world. And I'm not just talking about physical attractiveness. I'm talking about the beauty. I mean, spend time with a woman. Like, how amazing is it? Your life's better because of the beauty that they bring. And it's not again, not just her physical attractiveness, but it's it's her it's her essence, it's her presence. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell a woman, hey, forget about all that. We we don't need any of that. We want you to act like a man. What is the world missing? Like I, I, I'm an advocate for men. Obviously, this is what I do for work. But if it was all men, I'd be a horrible, horrible place to live. Damn <laughs> straight. Right. And and so we have to have both. Yeah, Amen. I agree. Larry. I want I want to make a quick I want to make a quick comment on um the our young people, right? The young men that you're talking about, the guys who are the the, the young men who are teenagers. Ryan's raising young men. I'm raising young men. So are you, Nikki? Actually, you're two older, so the same as my two oldest, seventeen and fifteen. You know, this thing right here that I'm holding up, this device right here, Mm. this is a window to the world and it can provide a ton of value and move the needle forward in our minds and hearts and motivation, our goals and everything else. And it can also absolutely positively decimate it, right? If not used correctly. And to quote Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Our young people have a 24-7 access to these guys that Ryan had named earlier, you know, and some of these people that they're like, wow, it's just so cool what he's saying. Right. But at the same time, you know, where are we, you know, as far as our generation goes, right. The guys who are in their late thirties, the guys who are in their forties, right. The guys who are inching to 50, the guys who are 50 and above to, to show these young men behind us, that this is what good actually looks like. It's not necessarily that of this. I'll give you an example. Whenever I host an in-person retreat and some are small, you know, like, like, so for instance, I'll take, you know, 20 guys to Breckenridge, you know, and, and do a, a weekend retreat where we mastermind. And then we go on, uh, on a, on a hike up a 14 or and that kind of thing. I will bring my boys with me. And for one reason, and I tell them this, I want you to see what good manly relationships actually look like. Not these fluffy, you know, unicorn type thing relationships that you might think that they are, but where we respect each other. We respectfully call each other out. We give each other strategy. We can say literally anything of what's going on in our lives. We can be truly authentic with these men because that's what our relationship is based on. Anywhere from like our summit where we have a couple hundred guys, I still have my boys show up to that I'm because I don't want you watching the Andrew Tates of the world. I want you to see this because this is actually what's going to move the needle in your life. It's not the other stuff. So I th- also think it's actually our responsibility in in our generation. I mean, like the four of us, to really think about the generation behind us and really start to show them and expose them to what good actually looks like and what manly good relationships are all about. I agree. It's one of the reasons I started these fire nights with my son's soccer team. You know, 
So we um, we go to a park in Toronto. There's a little bit of a forest there. We hike into the forest. There's a little kind of fire ring there. We build a fire there. The boys build the fire. And I call them young men. I call them men. I don't call them boys. We don't call them dudes. We don't call them guys. We call them men. You're men here. And then they set up the fire. I got a beautiful cast iron lodge skillet, the Yellowstone 17-incher. We toss that on top of some bricks. We throw in some burgers and some veggies. And they're responsible for cooking the food and making sure it comes out good and it doesn't get burnt. And then when the conversations, you know, when that's done and we finish eating, we all clean up, everything's clean. We stand around uh, in a circle around the fire. And one of the exercises we, we had the boys do was what I know about you, what I don't know about you, and what I suspect about you. This is for their teammates on the team. So everyone would go, what I know about you, John, is blah, 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 blah. What I don't know about you is blah, 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 blah. What I suspect about you. And every boy did that with every other boy. By the end of the time, they were like blown away by how much they didn't know about each other and how they were being perceived by their teammates. They all came. My son came to me and said, Dad, I came here because I'm your son, but I thought this was going to be lame. This was actually pretty freaking cool. And I'll tell you, for a 17-year-old to tell his 56-year-old dad is pretty cool. <laughs> Rock <laughs> and roll, man. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. And we need more of that. Like, I'm listening to you and going, man, I got to talk to Ryan and Larry and say, hey, let's do something for boys. Let's do something for, like, boys 16. I know there's the Squire program, but let's do something bigger with more boys being involved. And I think that'd be pretty darn cool because that way we might be able to reach a few of these young men. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Let's start doing <laughs> fire pits. All right, man. I'm, Nikki, I'm what, you, what, you. what are you cooking at the next one? We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> out in the woods uh, i was born and raised on a dairy farm and uh you know i i'm telling you when i see young boys uh my son he's 22 now uh we did everything we possibly could forever and he was a big athlete and all that so he had all the team sports and everything uh but to get him out in the woods with other young guys and everything to uh, enjoy that that campfire experience if you will uh, we always did everything we, we ever could, and I think it's it's a huge factor uh, in how he turned out today. Uh, because again, uh, we got to just feel comfortable around ourselves and not not think that. I, again, I'm, Ryan, when you said that, it, it you triggered something in me about man, I'm falling prey to what they're trying to make me think, and I never want that to. That's part of what I think all of us are. Uh, self-tasked if you will with trying to do is to make these young men and and the women for, you know in the same way but maybe a little bit on the you know another direction that it's it's okay to be men it's okay to be uh it's okay to to uh tell dirty jokes and things like that i mean there's nothing wrong with that uh that's that's part of being a young man and being a, a grown-up man too and i i I think that what we need to do as the whole user doing I am uh, is making those guys know that it's okay to be who they are and and not fall prey like I th like I think I am being you know swayed by some of that. But this is why that's coming at us. Yeah, I mean this is part of the reason I cringe a little bit when I hear guys will say, Oh, you know, you ask them how they're doing, they're like, Oh, I'm doing good, just getting by. Uh, Damn. Yeah just getting by like you're letting the world act on you. You know, we, we as men need to be vigilant 
which means that we need to anticipate problems. We need to analyze threats. We need to look at what could potentially hurt us or our families or, or, our, or our communities. And then we need to actively work in fighting against it. Like if, if you're just getting by, you're letting other narratives take hold. You're letting toxic thoughts take hold. You're letting the doctrine, I call it the doctrine of popular culture, wave you to and fro based on what it says, not based on eternal principles that we know will serve us best. We have to be vigilant. And so all of us are raising sons, it sounds like. And um, I, I have a daughter as well. And, and, and I'm an example to my boys of what men should be like. And I'm an example to my daughter of what men should be like. And it requires vigilance. And I, and I can't say I've always been there. You know, I've gone through my own personal hardships with the divorce with my wife over the past year. And, you know, that's, that's hard and that's difficult to navigate. And I never thought I would have found myself in this situation. But if I look at it from an objective standpoint now, I'm like, yeah, that was, that makes sense. Yeah, I get, I, I, I know why that decision was made. And, and, and so this is what we were talking about originally. It's not about being perfect. It's about being vigilant. And then when things go wrong and you realize you mess up, own it, take ownership, Ernest, like you were saying earlier, take ownership of it, acknowledge it, figure out where you need to fix it, and then get back after it because it will continue to happen. And this is what I see. I see problem after problem after problem happening to guys because they don't learn the lessons and they won't remain vigilant towards these external threats. Amen. I agree. And in, in order to teach that, right? And Ryan, I know this about you. I've known you since 2015. Ernest, I have no doubt you're the same way. But if we want to raise young men and women to operate that way, then we need to operate that way. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I think about my 17 year old and 15 year old, and I think about the stuff that is going on in their school and it is mind blowing. It's, it's, and we, we, we actually live in a quote unquote good school district. Right. And luckily, you know, and I, I don't think luck has much to do with it. I think we've done certain things to, ensure good decisions are made and lived a certain way. And that is my two older boys want nothing to do with vaping. They want nothing to do with weed. They want nothing to do with, with alcohol. My 15 year old, who's a, he, he lives and dies by football. He's a starter on JV and varsity and as a sophomore. And he has told me, and he's done this actually five, six, seven times. I will end relationships and friendships over vices because I don't want any part of it because this is going to stand in the way of me getting a full ride to cut his, his dream is to go into the NFL. Yeah, and sure. I think if we, if we're setting the bar and like that victimhood, right, that ownership, that all that stuff, right. Yeah. He came home yesterday and this is where I just applaud the heck out. And this is where we can really teach and groom these boys how to do this stuff. I, my son got up at four 30 in the morning yesterday, went to football practice at five, came back home to shower. And then I took him back to school and he was very frustrated. And I could tell that where I went in the laundry room to get my clothes. He was in there and I'm like, Hey Mace, I was like, you doing okay. And he's just like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, what's going on? Tell me what's up. He's like, he's the center on his, on his football team. He's like, I couldn't get my snaps down right today. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, tell me more what's going on. He's like, I couldn't get my snaps down. Right. Um, I just kept snapping it high. And at one point, like the coach told me to stop snapping and they just handed the ball to the, to the quarterback. He's like, I, I pardon me. I want to like crawl into a hole and die. And I was like, well, I was like, tell me what you think the problem was. Now, any other 15 year old that I know, I'd be like, well, you know, the ball was slippery or, you know, is this guy's fault or that guy's fault or it was 5am and I was tired. And I was like, what do you think the problem was? He goes, the problem is me. He goes, I need to keep my rear end down. 
because that's what I'm taught to do. I need to snap the ball back properly. And that's it. There's no excuse. And I, I even tried to somewhat let him off the hook. I was like, I think that's a great analysis of what's going on. I was like, but listen, you also need to realize not every workout is going to be perfect. Not every practice is going to be perfect. Not every snap is going to be perfect. And you got to have that mind like a goldfish, you know, to recover. And he goes, yeah, I get that. And I agree with that, but there's no excuse for poor performance. And I was just like, I was blown away by that. It was like this such extreme ownership. He owned every bit of it. There was no blame. But I think that is the mentality that we need to reinforce in this generation. That's so important. Larry, Larry, there's an interesting. I'm sorry. I just want to compliment Larry. Great job. Because if that boy is willing to end relationships to avoid vices, that's, that's a strength of character that is rare amongst kids that are that age. Tell me about it. There's a there's an interesting word that we hear a lot, and we just generally associate it with uh, righteous or or a virtue, and that's compromise. And I disagree. Like this is a kid, Larry, who doesn't compromise. No, and that's that's what we need. We need people who are strong of moral character and conviction. A small example: I took a woman out. I, I've been dating this woman for. A, we, we've been on a couple of dates. Really attracted to her. Really liked her, uh, and 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 still do. Uh, we went out this morning, took her on a breakfast date, and I was feeling a little bit of hesitancy on her end. I brought it up and I said, you know, she talked about it. And I said, well, here's what I want. Here's, here's what I'm looking for. And I laid it out. This is what I'm looking for. And she said, well, this is what I'm looking for. And they weren't aligned. And so it's like, okay, I, you're a great woman, but like this probably isn't going to go anywhere. Took her home, gave her a hug, kissed her on the cheek and said, you're a great woman. I wish you all the best. She said the same. And that's it. Like, the, no, we don't compromise on these things. No. Yep. You know, it, 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 and if you do, if you're willing to compromise, then you're going to live a life of misery. You're going to live a life that isn't going to allow you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And you're going to allow other people to railroad over you, to run roughshod all over you and to exert their will on what you want to accomplish. And there's just certain things. Yeah, sure. Compromise in a marriage about when date night is or you know who's going to watch the kids tonight. Sure, yes. But there's certain elements that just should not be compromised. And that's your morals, that's your ethics, that's your values, right. that's what you want to accomplish. And the more firm we are in those things. And by the way, the ironic thing is that the more sure we are and more convicted we are in those things and prove that we're willing to stand by them, the more people are actually attracted to it. Yes, you're going to turn some people off, but those are the wrong people. You're going to attract the right people into your life. Amen. Agreed. Amen. You know, well said. I think um, what you said, Ryan, is bang on. And you know what, Larry? Your son schooled you, man. Your son <laughs> schooled you. I, I think that was powerful. I think Mason was showing his dad, hey man, you don't need to be so you don't need to be easy on me. I can take it, man. So good for him. Good for him to I tell agree, you. I agree, man. Good for him. He didn't let you mother him. He made you father him. Well done, Mason. I did, yeah. Well done, Mason. It was Mason. funny, man. He's dude, he's 185 pounds. He actually weighs more than me now. He benches <laughs> more than me. He's stronger than me. And he always comes up to me, he's like, I'm bigger than you now. I'm stronger than you. And I tell him this. I'm like, that's the way it should be. <laughs> if 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 you're behind me and you're not if if I am if we're not raising you to be better we we're we're not doing our job. I'm not doing my job. You need yeah. to be faster, smarter, stronger, better than what I am. Yeah. Well, Larry, there's an interesting point there too on that. 
you we so you guys maybe you guys will correct me maybe this will be a little contentious i don't know well, i don't think i can actually train somebody or coach somebody to be better than i am not not even my kids and so for example you, with your analogy I, I know your kid the big strong athletic kids my oldest is the same way he's bigger than me he's stronger than me uh and he's got he's into powerlifting he's got a powerlifting coach well, what am i going to do how I'm not going to be able to teach him how to deadlift correctly. I don't know how to do that. In fact, if anything, he's the one who teaches me. He's like, Hey dad, you got to lift your hips or drop your hips or do this or that. It's a little annoying at times, but he's right. <laughs> it's, it's true. And the point I'm making is to go back to what we were saying earlier about these fraternal organizations. We need to not be afraid of inviting other righteous and capable 100%. men into the lives of our sons. Amen. I used to do that when his powerlifting coach came into, into his world He'd say, oh, you know, coach more this, coach more that, coach more can do this. I got sick of hearing about coach more. And then I realized that's my ego. And now I'm grateful. I'm grateful there's another man who's capable, who's righteous, who cares yeah. about my son and helps yep. him succeed in a way that I can't do on my own. Bro, why would anybody think that's contentious? Because that's true. I'm, I'm a big soccer guy. You, you Americans fucking call so, uh, football soccer. The football, the game played with the feet, that's the real football, not that thing. You, it, it is the wrong nomenclature, but you know what? We're Americans, so we'll do what You'll do what you do. But anyways, so I, was, I grew up in Iran calling right. it football. My son <laughs> plays football, soccer. He's 17. He's, in, he's probably in his position, which is center back. He plays defense either the best or second best player in the whole country at his age level, right? So the guy who coached him, he's a fucking rock star coach. I played soccer. I even coached soccer for a while. But, man, my son outgrew my ability to make him better six years ago. You know what I mean? And right now, if I get on a soccer field with him, it's a joke, right? Like, I mean, there's nothing I can do to this kid. He'll Like, unless I foul him uh badly he'll kick my ass and now he's also bigger and stronger than me this is the theme for today right our eldest boys are all bigger stronger tougher than each of us um and the greatest thing the greatest thing for me is i'm so proud that he's got a mentor in his life who's an old school croatian man you know uh grew up with kind of traditional values in croatia and he treats my son like you know, a young man, not, he doesn't coddle him. He doesn't, you know, you know, baby him in any way, shape or form. And the proudest thing for me was this summer in June, um, he decided that my son should be the permanent captain of the team. There was a rotating captaincy. So my son became the team captain. That was freaking great, man. And another man saw his leadership qualities. So fucking A, I think every man should have other men who are his superior in some way, make his sons better than him. So, yeah. Well, let me just add this, because I see this is a common thing between all of you now who have made this same statement. But underneath that is, you know, you've said, hey, my son reached a point where I was no longer able to provide, you know, how to lower his hips, how to get his back straight, whatever, how to do this or how to do that. But the thing that you did teach him, all of you, was the ability for them to be better than you, to have those qualities to strive for excellence when you said there's no uh room for uh i can't remember the exact words but uh for poor poor performance he didn't learn that from the coach he learned that at home he learned it from the, the example that you three have set for your children so yes you know what 
can I teach my son to run faster in a hundred meter dash or something? Probably not. But I taught him how to learn how to strive to run faster and faster and strive for those things. So again, that, that I think we, we recognize where we are, which is good because you always have to recognize what your uh, limits are and where you've now reached the time to, t to hand the mantle off to someone else who's going who's gonna to take that boy or that young man and, and, and use those traits that we've instilled or that you've instilled in him. Uh, but I think congratulations to all of you. And, and I got to say, Larry, I played center. So that's a tough spot, believe me. A I'm tough one, man. First hand. So. Yeah. <laughs> if I could just make one other quick comment here, too, it's inviting other, and I, I stress this adjective, adjectives, like minded, good men into your son's life, right? Ryan mentioned a coach. Right. You know, we, my son who plays football has got an incredible coach. Right. But these good hearted men who, who reap the same values as we do. Right. And I think we also need to stay very vigilant and on guard of people who want to enter into our kids' lives that could be seriously dangerous that they might not be seeing. Right. And I think we probably have all had experience with that one, whether it's their, their peers or whether it's um, somebody who's maybe an authority figure or whatever or maybe a quote unquote mentor. But I think it's our job to, yeah, I mean, it's this, I, I really think the father isn't necessarily, it, it's a one-stop shop, but it's not. We have to invite other people into this whole role of raising our kids a little bit in order to, in, in order to, to, for them to blossom in other areas that quite frankly, we not, we might not be the best at, but we got, yeah. we got to make sure that the right people are coming in. You're still right? the dad. No matter how yeah. old that kid gets to be, exactly. And that's Mary, I, I, I look at the terms. I, I think we're in alignment on this. I look at the terms righteous and capable. You say like-minded. I think it's along the same lines, but righteous yeah. and capable. And and I use those two terms because both have to exist. Like I, I know plenty of righteous men who are kind of pathetic, <laughs> frankly. You know, they're they're good people, right? They're decent. They're good. They're good guys. They're nice guys. You know, they're friendly. They're righteous. They they try to do good but they're incapable of doing anything. They're like, you know, and then you have on the hand, you have plenty of people who are capable, but they're not righteous. And we know where that leads. So I, I think someone who's righteous and also builds and improves on his capabilities is a force to be reckoned with. Hey, Amen. Nicely put. 100%. I like it. I like it. I like it. So look, Ernest said something, which I think is good. I think men should be able to tell some good body dirty jokes to each other once in a while and ever since he said that i said i wonder if any of these men know any good jokes i haven't heard a really really good joke in a while so ernest maybe i'll be i'll point the finger at you do you have a good joke man i'm not he also knows the time and place this may not be it so that's that's a, that's that. a character that's a that's a uh definition of wisdom right there there you, so go. There you go there you go well nice you know what Ryan, this is something that I always tell people too. I said, look, the difference between intelligence and, and wisdom is intelligence is knowing how to do a whole lot of things, but wisdom is knowing not what, what not to do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well said. <laughs> amen. 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 Anyways, um, you know, one of the things that I know each of you men are really into is reading good books. And a lot of young men, especially today, um, 
don't see the point in reading at all. Uh, it took me a couple of years to persuade my oldest son that reading was a good thing. And now he decided he was going to read Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power all on his own. And he read it in the summer and he took detailed notes. And, you know, he read David Goggins' two books and he took detailed notes. And I thought that was an awesome thing. So one of the things I wanted to ask you men was, first of all, chime in on the importance of reading for men, because I think that's a message we can't amplify enough. And what's on your reading list lately? What are you reading these days and why? Maybe share it with us so we could, you know, put that on our reading list. Yeah, I, I can start. Um, as far as, as far as reading, uh, look, Larry, I'm sure, I'm sure all of you guys do. How many times have you heard, I, I, I need a mentor. How do you find a mentor? I need a mentor. I, I, like I hear that all the time. Do you hear that, Larry? A little. Yeah, a lot. yeah I hear I'm it kidding. all the time. I'm, look, I'm looking for the mentor. I need a mentor. How do you find a mentor? How do you find, go, go to the library. It's free. Yeah. There's thousands and thousands of mentors. You can be mentored by Marcus Aurelius this afternoon. Yeah. Epictetus, like Alexander the Great. You know, like, and I'm not saying these guys have everything figured out, but you can figure out what you want to know and go be mentored by those individuals. So go, if we want to find a mentor, go get a library card. Like all, all of us have books and reading material. Go, go get that. Like, I, I think it's, it's huge. I, I'm reading a few things that are different. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's the typical answers that you hear. One book I'm reading right now is called Grow Up. It's by Gary John Bishop. I just had him on the oh, podcast. Cool, Larry, yeah. I know he's coming on the podcast this week, I think for you, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Great book on parenting. I love his, I love his communication style because it's, it's very masculine in nature. It's, it's very upfront. It's clear. It's deliberate. It's intentional. That's a good book. Um, uh, I just read a really good, I listened to a great book. I was doing some hiking over the past several days called, um, oh, now what, what is it called? Uh, attachment, attachment. And it talks about our attachment styles, whether we're anxious or avoidant or secure in our attachment. And then there's another good book that I've been listening to, which is called The Audacity to Be You. And, and I think nice. that one falls in line with... Um, not compromising our own desires, uh, not compromising on our own values and belief systems and having the, the, the conviction to be ourselves in the face of other people, whether it's romantic relationships or friendships, or even just cult the cultural climate asking us to be something we're not. So th those are the things I'm reading right now. Man, they all sound like they're really good books. Um, I really um, like the Grow Up one by Gary John Bishop. That sounds like it's got a lot of wisdom in it that resonates with me right now. So thanks for uh, revealing those to us and telling us about what's Larry, do you have important. the subtitle? Do you have that book right there? You have the subtitle? It's called the Becoming the Parent Our Kids Deserve, I think is what it is. So I, I uh, it's, yeah, it's Grow Up, Becoming the Parents Your Kids. Yeah, I think it's coming to that they deserve. Yeah. I don't have it on my bookshelf. I have it in my, in my phone. You're right back. Um, but it's funny because yeah, I've, I'm, I've read that book when he first launched it. I love that book for me when it comes to books, it, it's dependent. Like I, I now discern cause I, I used to, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I used to be reading like five books at a time. I still do. like, they were just <laughs> right. They're like stacked on my nightstand and be like, Oh, I'll just, uh, well now I've made it a rule that I have to finish a book before I start our next book. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's been really, and, but the thing is, is that I, I probably read, I would say a, 
a book a month or a book every two months, just depending on where I'm at. And I really discern in my life, what is it that's really needed right now? What am I curious about? What might be missing right now? What are some things that I won't just read a book just to read a book. So like, for instance, one of the last books I read, like I'm really trying to deepen my faith right now. It's super important to me. Absolutely. So one, one of the books that I, I just got done reading was, was a case for Christ, um, which I thought was really, really cool. It was more like this, this logical way of, of proving that Jesus Christ did walk the earth and what he did and that kind of thing. And I was just thought it was fascinating. I heard this guy speak and I read his book and I just loved it. Um, so that really, and I, I needed that at the time right now I'm reading, uh, 10x is easier than 2x because right now it's my business that I really want to. Um, I just hired, yeah, you've got it right there. I just hired a COO. So he's taking over, he's been taking over a ton of the operations. So right now I'm more in what is, what is this visionary role really look like over the next 12 to 24 months? Right. And what are the things that most important and meaningful that I need to be doing? Right. Um, when it comes to, um, habits, right. I love James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. That's one of those, you look back on on all the books you've written, or I'm sorry, that you've read. And there are, there are always these needle movers where you're like, wow, I just can't put this down. I'm getting so much value of it. That was one of them. I actually read the book. It was about nine months ago with my oldest son, Relentless by Tim Grover. So me and my oldest son read that together. And we really, it, it was so cool just seeing him, him come to life because what we do now is we identify certain behaviors or certain things that he wants to do. And we say, well, is that a closer? Is that a cleaner? What is that? Right. And it really helps him identify, well, wait a second, I'm, that's a closer. I, I want to be a cleaner in this area. Well, what does a cleaner do? So like certain books, it's just dependent on what I feel is needed in my life, but there are definitely some books that are, that are needle movers. And just one more book that really, really completely was the launching pad for what I'm doing today and both Ryan and I were raised in this, um, you know, fatherless environment. And I think guys like me and Ryan, we, especially early on in our journey, we were so eager to learn on how to navigate life from a mentorship perspective or for a point in the right direction perspective. And I think we voraciously, you know, took in information and read as much as we could. And I remember reading the book, Unbeatable Mind by Mark Devine. Yes. And I remember, I remember it was the book that I, it was, you know, eight years ago, it was the book that I needed at the time that I needed it. Because what I found was, is that I had fear and apprehension about moving forward with, with this brand and this, and this, and this, and this movement, what we're doing and reading that book, I was like, wow, look at that. You know, who's in my way is me and it's here. And that was like a book that just forever changed my life. Amen. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, Mark Devine is a great dude. I had him on my uh, business podcast a few years back. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to have him there. He's a great dude. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Ernest, what about you? What's on your reading list? I read all kinds of crazy stuff too, but uh, the Mark Devine book was its actually one of the most recommended books. Everybody I speak to in this kind of uh, circle uh, always brings that one up. Of course, I have a copy of it, and, and I have an extensive library. I've got probably 5,000 books uh, in my in physical books in my library. I've got a couple thousand wow. on my Kindle. But uh, the when you said that about the mentors, uh, Ryan, that, that's absolutely 100% uh, spot on because, again – 
you can learn from Julius Caesar. You can learn from Michelangelo. You can learn from uh, any figure in history has put down things uh, basically in book form. And all you have to do is go, go get it. Uh, but right now, uh, one of the ones I'm reading right now, it's called No Apologies uh, by Anthony. Good Lord, I can't find the, the name. But it, it's it's actually about no apologies being I'm a man. Uh, I have no apologies about that. And I'm not going to feel guilty about being born a man. Uh, but it's a lot of the stuff that you guys are discussing and that we're talking about here today. Uh, one of the actual life-changing books for me is a very, very small book. It's probably got 110 pages. It's called The Mighty Adam. And that is A-T-O-M. And he was a strong man. His name was Sidney Greenstein, I believe. I don't have the, the hard copy with me. Uh, and he was a a young boy who was born in the 18-somethings, 18, 18 late 1800s, uh, who was going to die. He was so sickly uh, and was taken in by a Russian strongman and and taught the, the uh, Russian breathing and all the whatever, whatever. And he became one of the strongest human beings to ever walk the face of the earth. Uh, and he came in at about 125 or 135 pounds. And he was the guy that could bite nails in half and do all of these uh, things that were the original, the real, real deal, real strong man, not vaudeville type stuff, uh, things. And it's funny because uh, that book was was recommended to me by some of my friends who are legit strong men and all that. And they said, you got to read uh, The Mighty Adam. And it it set me on a course of understanding that every limit that I have, and I believe every limit that we all have, are set by ourselves. And the limits that we set ourselves have the deepest roots, and they're the toughest ones to overcome. But this book by Adam, uh, or by the mighty Adam, uh, really proved to me in print form that someone else could go from zero to being this legendary person. Uh, who at the same time that he gained all of this uh, notoriety uh, had only one thing in mind to give that opportunity to others who could also do the same exact thing that he did and make no reservations about it. If his whole idea and everything was, if I can do this, then you have no excuse and you can do it too. So get to it. And uh, you know, it's books like that. So I, again, Am I in search of mentors? Hell yes. Every minute of the day, every book I read, I'm looking for people that can teach me something. Uh, because again, uh, you mentioned we're, we're eternal students. Uh, one, of, one of the guys did today. Uh, that's the other thing that I've always tried to instill in my, my children is never lose your curiosity. You, you can never, ever run out of things to learn. Uh, and if you if you look at what you do in life, how many people come home they get home from work, they sit down on the couch, they turn that TV on, and they spend six or seven hours watching mind power that has that they're gonna get nothing out of at the end of their life. Uh, reading books, for God's sake, that's one of life's 
my one of my greatest pursuits. I can't wait sometimes to, because I do most of my reading at, at night before I go to sleep. I can't wait for, <laughs> honey, it's time to go to bed. Good. That means I get to read for 45 minutes to an hour. So again, you know, heck yeah, read, 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 you know. Hey, gents, I got to sneak out real quick. I'm sorry. I have to go. I've got another meeting. I just I wanted to say that, but I appreciate all of you guys. Thanks for ha having me uh, participate in this. It's been really good. Ryan, thanks hey, Ryan. for coming. Good seeing you. We'll, uh, we'll catch you later. I'll make sure I connect you with Ernest because I think you two men should be connected yeah, with be each great. other and uh, get, get on each other's shows. It'd be fun. It'd be fun for you. Yeah, that'd be great. So you take care, thanks, Ryan. Guys. Yeah. So, um, so the book that I'm reading right now, um, I'm one of those read five books at a time men, uh, Larry, oh, yeah. but the, the book that I'm reading right now is at the beginning of the year. I, I, I've been telling myself I've never read the Bible from cover to cover. So I want to read the Bible from cover to cover. So um, I started to do that. In most days, I read one or two chapters, three chapters, four chapters in the Bible. And I'm still in the Old Testament, but let me tell you, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to do that. Uh, it, it's something that is waking up uh, my connection to God uh, to do that. And I'm reading um, Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power. I bought the book and I didn't read it. And then my son grabbed it off my shelf and said, I want to read this. So he read it and he finished it. And I said, okay, if my kid read it, I better finish this. And I also like to read a lot of novels. So I'm reading uh, one of Elmore Leonard's novels. I don't know if you guys know Elmore Leonard. He wrote uh, Get Shorty and books like that and Be Cool that got turned into movies. Novels, good fiction relaxes me. So those are kind of the things that I'm into and doing right now. But, you know, as we uh, turn the plane and land this episode in, I wanted to ask you men um, as a way of uh, leaving the listener with something that's really going to make them think and make them act in a different way. What would you say is one thing someone listening to this episode, a man listening to this episode could take on immediately to help elevate him as a man and to help him be more of that man he's always wanted to be, that best version of himself, that uncommon man. Ernest, do you want to take this one first? Sure. Uh, Aristotle said one thing uh, that has stuck with me uh, that I use every day and have to remind myself every day is we are who what we, we are who we, what we repeatedly do. In other words, uh, habits. And I'm, I always stress that a habit doesn't care if it's good or bad. And if you look at it that way and understand that we are creatures of habit, when, when he was saying about, when Ryan was saying about making compromises, the minute you start to compromise, you're going to start, you're going to start making that a habit. Uh, Vince Lombardi said, uh, uh, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Uh, the minute you start to give up, that becomes a default position. And if you can understand that all of the things that you do in your life are basically habits, get rid of the bad habits and replace them with good habits and make that who you become. And that is something that I think encompasses everything from faith to morals, to business, to relationships, Every single thing, self-improvement, you make that the habit. And if I could say one thing to somebody, 
is just replace all your bad habits with good habits. But the first thing you have to recognize is to is to look at yourself in the mirror and say, dude, there's a lot you're doing wrong. Get rid of it. Make the good habits good. That's good. I like that. That is really good. Um, I would say, you know, for for a man to become uncommon, right? I want to I want to flip this on its head and just change the perception of it a little bit. Let's not forget that a lot of men don't even feel worthy to live an incredible life, right? There's that whole like, well, I'm, you know, who am I to, you know, create this incredible connection with my kids? Who am I to create this beautiful relationship with my wife or who am I to go out and start a business and do the work that makes me come alive? Like I'll just keep grinding it out and put my head down and and just go. You know, and that that's what I know Ryan's not here anymore, but it it kind of hurts my heart when I hear a man like, hey man, how, how are you doing? I'm just getting by, man. No, I'm surviving. You know, yeah. it is what it is. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, my wife and I, and I don't want to, I don't want this to turn morbid because I think it, it it's not morbid. I think it creates a serious sense of urgency. My wife and I have been having very open conversations about death lately. And what is the meaning of life? And I'm 40, I just turned 48 years old. So we're now at this age where we're seeing our parents get, get older. Right. And, and, um, one of our very dear friends, her mom just died. Um, one of my very dear friends and one of my business partners just lost his 19 year old daughter in a tragic car accident and just completely, yeah, just completely turned his world upside down. And what I'll tell you in these areas of our lives, when it, when we when we talk about like what is the uncommon man, right, and what does the uncommon man value, and what are the things that are important to him, and how does that man live? The uncommon man has this, and I think Ernest, it was you that said it. It's this this beautiful moral compass where he filters decisions through, right? But that's just not like oh, I just I think I have this. It's built over time, right? It's learned. It's like. I now know what I value. I now know what good looks like. And I now know I'm going to go chase that. 100%. And what else, what I'll tell you is this, is that, you know, men feel that it's noble to survive life. And I think that that's a miss. Men thinks that men think, thinks most men think it's noble to drive to a job that you hate. 82% between the ages of 25 and 52 drive to a job that they do not like to some degree or absolutely despise it. And that's too bad. 50% divorce rate, but nobody talks about the 50% of people that stay together. Mm-hmm. Only 30% of couples that stay together can actually identify their relationship as happy. The other ones are either stagnant or completely disconnected. That's two thirds of people that stay together. I'm a faith-based person and, and I hope I don't offend you by bringing faith into this, but I truly don't believe that our creator put us here on earth, go enjoy your mediocre life and survive as much as you can. Right. Cause I think about it like this, every single guy listening to this podcast, Nikki's probably has kids. The three men who are left on this panel, we all have kids. There's not one guy on this panel now, but probably one guy listening to this podcast. You look at your son or daughter, be like, Hey man, like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm surviving. What what, what do you mean you're surviving? Just just getting by, you know, no, 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 no. Go out and make your life extraordinary. And you go out and you make your life extraordinary by being uncommon. And by being uncommon, you're also imperfect. But by being uncommon and imperfect, you're also eager to learn. 
and you're eager to try things and you're eager to move the needle and you're eager and willing to show up and do whatever you possibly can to make those things happen. And it comes with learning and surrounding yourself with the right people. So I say this because I truly believe this and I do not mean this by cliche. It's because I lived on one side of it now and on the other. Your best life is literally sitting there waiting for you to step into it, period. And the only person that's holding you back from all of that is the stories that we continue to tell ourselves of why we can't have it or why we're not worthy to have it. But I don't know about the rest of you guys. This is, and I'll, I'll end with this, and I'm super passionate about this. I heard this quote, and I'll never forget hearing this quote on another podcast. The definition of hell is meeting the man that we could have become when we're lying on our deathbed. And, and men, what I'll, what I'll tell you is that I try to filter every single decision through that moment because on that deathbed and every guy that does life with us, whether it's in our audience, whether it's in our mastermind, whether it's with you guys in your groups or whatever it is, or whether it's in Ryan groups, I don't care. But what I will tell you is I want every man who's uncommon or who wants to be uncommon to be on that deathbed with a smile and be like, you know, it wasn't always perfect. There were some speed bumps and man, there were some mess ups, but overall, it I'm glad good. I didn't leave anything on the table. I'm glad I left no stone unturned. I'm glad I read that extra bedtime story with my kid. I'm glad I showed up to every single game. I'm glad I threw the football with my kid. I'm glad I sat down with my kids and talked about faith and taught them about you know the Bible and scripture. Those are the things I'm talking about that are uncommon. And those are the things I feel that so many men leave on the table, but we, man, we don't have to. We don't have to. And that's, that's where I'll end. We don't have to. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. That's brilliant. You know, as you were yeah. saying that, um, made me think of something for myself. So, uh, Larry, I don't know if you noticed, but I dropped quite a bit of weight in the last few months. You do look thinner, man. You look yeah. lean, yeah. So I used to be a, um, a top fitness coach. I worked with a couple of Olympic champions in track and field. My woman is a three-time Guinness World Record holder for running 12 hours on a treadmill. So... I stopped being in the fitness world in um, 2013, late 2012, early 2013. And basically, over that period of time, a switch flipped in my head. And I, I wasn't as strict as I was with my diet. Still kept working out, but, you know, ate more, ate later, ate stupid food. Anyways, long story short is I gained 50 pounds over that time period. And every year I tell myself, you know what? You're going to get back into full shape. And I say, you're, you, you, know, you know what to do. And this year in February, February 2nd, I looked at myself in the mirror with my shirt off, with my belly hanging over my belt. And I was disgusted with myself. And I, I thought to myself, I cannot go one more year with this. And I said, you've been lying to yourself. You don't know what you're doing. You were a trainer. You're not a trainer anymore. And you bought the lie that you're old because I was 55 at the time. And, you know, it's hard, blah, blah, blah. So I found a man who'd help people my age, who looked even worse than me, get in shape, get on stage, win competitions, things like that. I hired him. And I made a decision that I was going to do whatever he told me to do. Whatever he told me to do, it's going to be no back talk, no arguing. Anyways, long story short is it was a journey. 
and my lady came on it with me, although she didn't have nearly as much weight to lose. She looked great. <laughs> and I dropped, I went from 227 to 169. It, Whoa. Yeah. And, Dang. Um, you know, these are 31 inch pants, bro. These are 31 inch pants. <laughs> oh, dude. Look at that. You are, you are lean, dude. No kidding. Yeah. And um, wow. I'm proud of myself. But you know what you were sure. talking about is that man on his deathbed who saw the man that he could have become, you know, that really motivated me. And when this happened, I thought to myself, I'm going to, I'm going to look at other areas in my life, like as a father who I need to show up as a father, some of the things you've been doing with your sons, I know I could do them better than I have been doing them. So I, I started to take time to spend more time with the boys, to do more things with them, frankly, to push them harder inside my business want to make a few changes inside what we do with the wind with the men i want to make a few changes uh around that to to reach more men all these things are important and i think every man listening to this can benefit from saying man i know the life that i'm living now is not the life that i want to be living i know the man that i am today is not who i've always dreamed i wanted to be and i'm going to do something about it and if all it is is you took some good notes from listening to this podcast awesome if you jumped on you know uh larry's program you know the dad edge program uh great if you go to order of man great if you come to sovereign man great if you just go hang around a group of other men locally and you meet a few times a month and you 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 know go see a sports game or, or cook some food over a fire fantastic but don't let yourself go through life one more day and be satisfied with living a shitty little existence anymore. I think that's a beautiful way for us to, to wrap things up. And I just want to say it's been a real honor having this conversation with you, men. I've wanted to do this with you. And to, to be in this powerful hour and a bit long mastermind with some amazing men like you means the world to me. So God bless you all. Thank you so much. I got you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.